Howdy, folks. Ah, there you are. And just in time. Beware of hitchhiking ghosts. Today, I want to share with you some of our ideas for Disney World. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a parent's life for me. A parent's life for me. A parent's life for me. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort. And we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks you know and love today. I'm Dewey, one of your hosts, and this is episode number 12 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's always a fun time. Looking forward to this episode. Excellent. Good to have, good to have you here, Ron. And good morning, Tony. How are you, buddy? Hey, good morning, Dewey and Ron. We're doing pretty good and very excited about our special show today. And that is right. Today, we're actually going to welcome someone else here with us today on our podcast journey. We have with us a special guest, Trisha Dobb. She is a contributor to the WDW Magazine, and she's also a book author. She's written several books about our favorite place, Walt Disney World. So, Trisha, welcome to the WDW Reflections podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like the girl that got let in the boys' like treehouse. <laughs> what is that? Um, that's Darla on the Little Rascals, right? You've been trying to get into the boys' club. Yeah, I like. I keep. Well, I I think I'm gonna date myself. I keep thinking of like the Bernstein Bears book that was like, "No girls allowed," and so I'm like, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> That's all. Hey, you're a, you're an honorary member. That's excellent. We'll get you a t-shirt that says that or something. That's awesome. So Tricia, so happy that you're here with us. We we're excited because first of all, it's kind of a big deal to, to have our first guest, but it's also, you know, I mean, you're an author, you write for WDW magazine, uh, just so much cool stuff that you're done that we really looking forward to talking to you about today. Um, so excited uh, and we appreciate your time. We appreciate you being here. We are incredibly excited. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I, this is a testament to the power of social media because I think Dewey, that's how we found each other was, I don't even remember exactly now, but uh, I do know uh, Dewey made some comments on the amount of 50th merchandise that I came home with. Uh, so, um, and I told him that there was more where that came from. I don't think I've ever bought as much stuff as I did on, uh, when I was there for the 50th. <laughs> yes, well, you're right. That, oh, oh, go ahead, Tony. I was just going to say, speaking of that, that's a great segue for our very first uh, discussion with you. 
you are the one lucky person of all of us who actually was there. You were there on the actual 50th anniversary? Yes. Oh, we'd yes. love to hear some stories wow. about that. What was, what was that day like? Uh, so, so I was in Magic Kingdom on the 50th and um, I grabbed a couple of like fun things from the day, but one of the things they gave everybody that was at the parks was this poster. So um, it has the, the actual date on it. And then uh, they had merchandise that was specific to that day. So uh, I feel very, very fortunate. I met up with some friends from an actual, another Disney podcast, the Mouse Moms podcast. And they had uh, held four places in a virtual queue because that's how you got into stores uh, for most of the day was virtual queues. Um, so if you wanted to go to Magic Kingdom shop on the first, uh, it was not like your typical, like Disney will let you spend as much money as you want. Like most stores had to have virtual queues to get in. Um, but yeah, so they took me along with them. And so I was able to, to get some uh, official October 1st merchandise and so wow. like I'm not doing anything vulgar here but the shirt that I have on here is one of the shirts that they had that was specific to October 1st and um, they had uh, a pin that I have. So for those of you that are listening we're going to recommend that you watch us on our YouTube channel because you'll be able to see the stuff that Trish is sharing with us right now. She's got yeah, she showed us the t-shirt she's wearing a 50th anniversary a uh, purple jacket. Now she's showing up a pin. So super cool stuff. Make sure you check out the video later. What's the pin of? Um, so it's it's the the 50th official pin, and it's got uh, oh, the nice. logo, and it's got the, the Mickey Castle logo. Um, so there are sometimes where you see the castle that doesn't have the Mickey shape around it, but with this one it does, and it has the date of October 1st, 2021. So um, and then obviously Walt Disney World on it. And so this was really neat because again, this was like you could only get this on that day um and I got a shirt for my dad and a shirt for my mom and they had a spirit jersey that was just from that day so, so was, it was a lot but that experience was kind of crazy because uh, so you had to get in a virtual queue and you often had to wait in line to get to the virtual queue so they would put up a, a QR code in a specific area and everyone would run over their their phones to scan the QR code and then try to get into the virtual queue and then when it was your time, you would get notified through the app yes. and then you would go over and wait in another line. So we were going in um, over by Pete's Silly Sideshow over in wow. the area of Fantasyland. And it was like wound all the way back through like a, a waiting area that I, I'm trying to remember if I've ever been back in this area before. And then into um, what's normally uh, the circus tent themed store that was completely shut down except for if you were in the virtual queue. And so um, you, we waited in this line and then you could see an area where it's showing you like this, this is what merchandise is available. And sadly, a whole bunch of it was already sold out. I think it was maybe three o'clock in the afternoon was already gone. Um, and so and what then, time did you get there again? What time did you arrive at the park? I, I finally got in at about 8 a.m. So that's another story. And that's not <laughs> and, late. Well, it was that day, apparently. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, so this was about three o'clock in the afternoon and the park was supposed to open to resort guests at 7.30. They had so many people lined up outside Magic Kingdom that I think they, if I remember correctly, they started letting people in at about 6.30. So wow. thankfully I had some friends that had done um, Epcot's 35th 
on the day. And so they kind of knew like get there early. So they were there super early. Thankfully got me a locker, which was amazing because they sold out of lockers by like 8.30 in the morning. There were no lockers left. So then they were doing like virtual lockers. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was fascinating, but, but yeah, so the crazy part was, so, so you, you see this display and then all of a sudden you're like, let loose in this room and there's all these people everywhere and they're just like grabbing stuff off the shelves. And I was, I I gotta be honest. I was like, I've not done black Friday. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of what it's like. Like people are like, ah, TV. And it was like, ah, sweatshirt and a spare jersey. And I had had an idea what I was going to grab. I like knew the people I needed to get something for still, but I kind of got a little overwhelmed because you get this impression, like you should get as much as you can. I don't do do the whole buy something and then sell it on eBay. I I don't don't do that because I'm like, this, this is somebody else's vacation too. And you know, they should get a chance to get stuff. So, um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, I need to get my dad something. I need to get my mom something. I, I want to get that sweatshirt and I want to get the spirit jersey. And, I'm, and then I was just like kind of scared because there's just people everywhere. And if you weren't grabbing things, you should get out of the way. And thankfully a friend of mine was with me and she's like, come on, I'll help you. I was like, ah. <laughs> kind of felt like Rachel and friends when they go to the wedding store and she's like sitting there in the display with the whistle. It felt a little bit like that. Um, and then you went over in another line and waited to get into the bigger room. And that's where they had the pins and some of the other stuff. And uh, you oh my wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. A line for a line for a line. So yeah. you were in a shopping frenzy and then they're like, oh, hey, there's another room over here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's where all the AP stuff was, um, which oh I'm, I'm not, I'm not an AP. But um, so that's like where the AP stuff was. And then, uh, so what was, what, I think it was just the pins in there. I'm trying to think there, there was something else in there. And then they had like some just random towels that had nothing to do with the 50th. I think it was just like, just in case. Cause I realized I was like, oh, I'll just find my mom something somewhere else. And then all of a sudden I had this panic moment. Like, I don't, what other store can I really go right. in? Because so many of them, like Emporium had a virtual queue up until, almost, I want to say 10 o'clock. It might've been a little earlier than that, but um, it finally got to a point where you could just wait in line and get into Emporium. But prior to that, you had to get in a virtual queue to get in. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that was, that was just crazy. And it was interesting because there were no lines for rides at all that day. (laughs) Um, And and that's crazy. Well, and I stood by a couple families that you could tell, like, didn't know what was kind of going on. They was like, I'm just on vacation. And then I remember hearing this one teenager ask his mom, he was like, mom, where is everybody? Like there's mom, the mom's like, Space Mountain's five minutes, seven minutes, 20 minutes. Like what's going on? Like, what are, where are all these people? It's like, they're in line for a popcorn bucket. released another color and so yeah and in like literally I think there were four colors released over the course of the day and so like people were standing in line for like an hour hour and a half per bucket to so was that was the park dense enough to walk when you walk through because some of the video I saw seemed to show that there were lots of crowds that day but you're saying that they were isolated into the different merchandise spots um you know there were I, I mean main street's always kind of yeah you, could, you know just crowd surf across it um and i felt like that maybe wasn't that vastly different than what i've seen on a, a normal busy park day 
but when you got back near some rides, it really wasn't as much. I, I, the places where I felt it was really crowded, obviously during the nighttime shows, main street, the hub, everything was I mean, just, just packed. Um, and then, uh, you know, more, it, it felt like the most crowded areas that I was that day were really um, like Main Street and then just extending off Main Street a little bit. You know, Fantasyland didn't, when you got kind of away from the castle, didn't really feel that crowded. Um, you know, back in that like Peter Pan, small world walkway, that always feels crowded. So, um, but but yeah, when I, I went on Big Thunder Mountain and it wasn't really all that crowded over there. And um, I mean, I would say I've definitely seen the park worse. Uh, but it was really, the behaviors were interesting because people were focused on trying the 50th food. People were focused on getting popcorn buckets and getting in virtual queues. And um, so the crowds were really dispersed in a very different pattern than uh, than I feel uh, like I've seen before. I noticed a few- So we're all in the shop, I'm sorry, Tony. Oh no, I was just gonna say that I noticed a few bloggers wanted to do rides that were there the first day. Did you get to do anything like that? I did. I did a small world. I did the people mover. Um, Big Thunder, I don't think was there the first day. I, I was kept trying to get someone to go to country bears with me. And then it just like kept never happening. And then, you know, they don't, they don't do shows too late. Um, but like, I don't think I ever made it really back into Adventureland um, that day. And so it's weird to kind of think you're in the park for 15 and a half hours and the list of things you didn't do much longer than the, the list that you had given yourself. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think, but I, I did go on Space Mountain. Um, trying to think of what else, uh, Dumbo. I was like, I have to, you know, you have to do Dumbo. Um, I was trying to think of what else, uh, ride wise. So, so that's the thing people were trying to do. People were trying to do opening day attractions on October 1st, just because it's, they were here 1971 October 1st so we're going to do it on 2021 October 1st that was kind of a, a goal a lot of people were doing yeah and a lot of people are also trying to try the 50th food so there were a bunch of foods released that day around the park so there was a, a special waffle and drink at um, Sleepy Hollow there was a special um, egg roll at the cheeseburger egg roll cart I think Casey's had something um, they had a special churro uh, over in by the the Dumbo like popcorn cart churro cart over there so there was a lot of people doing like those things and then trying to visit places too that were opening day so whether it was attraction or a show or a store or um, maybe a restaurant you know, and then they had a whole series at, uh, I was able to eat lunch at Crystal Palace with some friends and they had a whole, whole part of the buffet was like Walt's favorites. Oh, nice. oh that's super cool. So, so was, was chili there? I know Walt loves chili. <laughs> there was chili. Yes. And next to me, another podcaster, actually, Mike from the Be Our Guest podcast is uh, one of the people that's in the <laughs> He was having the chili. That's awesome. That just popped in my head when you said that. I was like, if they're having Walt's favorites, chili's got to be there. It's on the list. Yeah. Walt was not a guy that he would not have liked Victoria and Alberts. I don't think. Like the I don't. Yeah, I agree. Fancy for him. Absolutely. I, I have another food question, but Ron, you had something you were going to mention before. Uh, well, yeah, I just was wondering. So were all the stores related to the 50th anniversary or were there other stores open that you could go to and just get general merchandise and not as crowded. 
Yeah, so like the Winnie the Pooh, the little shop outside there, you know, the one outside Buzz, like like those small shops were, and then I think like Star Traders, from a bigger store perspective, you know, it's kind of like Emporium and Star Traders and then the, the circus uh, I, I, Big Top, that's what it's called, sorry. So Big Top and Fantasyland and Emporium were both kind of 50th specific. Emporium had non-50th merchandise too, but where the kerfuffle happened in the morning that I think triggered a lot of the, uh, a lot of the we're going to change this because adults can't act like adults on this day apparently. Um, that was that was when they started doing the the virtual queues and and trying to kind of limit the number of people in the stores and there were the line for emporium at some points like wrapped literally like all the way down main street uh towards the train station and then like kind of even wrapping around the road there so and it was hard because there were really cute windows they had the windows decorated but you couldn't see it because there's you know a big line of people in front of them the whole time um so that was on my list that i didn't i didn't see i would wanted to see that but um, but yeah, so like the Christmas shop wasn't, um, Memento Mori wasn't, um, the shops, there was one shop over in uh, Frontierland that was because they had a special pin set, I think. Um, so that one had a big line thing happening. And um, I just like- I was just wondering if the, if the ones that weren't specific, if you could luck out and find maybe just a rare 50th in that store or not i didn't know if you could or not but i would i would just so i so i did a lot like where i got this this track jacket was over actually at world of disney and disney springs so it wasn't like those were the only stories so at epcot um the the new and, and again i'm so sorry that the name is escaping mouse gears right i think that's the, the creation name. shop yeah, the big, the big giant one that they just re, redid. So they had some 50th merch there on the day that, you know, uh, um, on the first at Epcot too. So apparently there was a, a spirit jersey that was for Epcot and a spirit jersey that was Magic Kingdom oh, okay. specific. Um, and some people braved like going to Epcot first. And apparently there wasn't the, the like 50th merchandise craze over at Epcot that was happening at Magic Kingdom. Um, so, and then they, some people braved it and, and um, booked their park for Epcot and then hopped over to Magic Kingdom. I didn't do that because I didn't want the risk of like not being able to get into yeah. to Magic Kingdom. Um, just cause it, we, you know, they, they hadn't released really what the capacity was gonna be and what they were looking at. And, um, but the crazy part, I booked my trip only a week before I left. Uh, oh, I thought wow. about going and was like, no, got too much going on with work and kids and I'm not going to go. And then my husband and I were talking about it and he's like, I'm not even, I love you, but I don't even think I'm going to want to be around you on the first. If you're <laughs> like, He's like, you are going to be just, he's like, there's nowhere I can take you on the first it's gonna like make you happy and be like not staring longingly at instagram like oh i wish i was there um and then uh obviously happily ever after had its last showing on the 29th of october as well and i honestly that was as much of the drive for me to go to be able to see that one more time because i had taken like four trips to disney and hadn't seen that show on any of those trips and i have a book series named from that from a line in the song from that show and I was like oh you know I can't believe I, I like they'll play it again 
it's such a good show. They'll play it again. And he's just like, oh my gosh, just go, just please go. And, and we're <laughs> like, I think we can figure this out. You know, it, it'll be, one of my colleagues was like, oh my gosh, you have to go. I want you to go. She's like, cause you know, you have to do this. It's so cool. You write about it. And it's the 50th. Like you have to figure this out. And so um, I ended up, I think it was the Saturday before so maybe like Saturday the 14th or something like that is when I booked my trip and I was going or not even it was a little bit after that but um and I left uh that Tuesday I think it was the 28th if I remember correctly um or the 27th um so I got in on Tuesday and then I left uh Saturday the day after the first I can't believe that there were Magic Kingdom park reservations available that late I'm, I'm yeah, shocked I at would that. agree I am too. So you have to have your ticket to book your park pass. And so a friend of mine is a travel agent and she books all of my trips for me. And I had been just doing some just high level research to kind of figure out like, okay, can I even get a hotel room? Um, and because I, I really like staying on property because I felt like that would just kind of add to the magic. And so um, I have always wanted to stay at Pop Century. And um, I tried to see if Pop Century was available and couldn't get it. And so she went in, she was able to get Pop Century, but she told me, I tried to get you an Epcot or Magic Kingdom. I couldn't get you in either one. I was like, okay, you know, I'm like, it's okay. My understanding is they release stuff building up to some of these. So I'll just keep trying. And the day she gave me my tickets was um, like a, a week and a half before I was leaving. It was on a Saturday. And um, I went and just tried to get Magic Kingdom and was able to, and was just shocked. Like, I felt like someone was punking me. I was like, Disney, <laughs> there's no way. And I got the email confirmation and I got like the, the, the confirmation in the app, like Magic Kingdom, October 1st, 2021. I was like, oh, it's meant to be. <laughs> That's excellent. I, I, That's awesome. I can't believe you got in on the first yeah. waiting, you know, having just, you know, kind of a spur of the moment decided to book the trip. So you're right. It was meant to be. That's that's super, super cool. Yeah. And to even be able to get into Magic Kingdom on the 29th, which was the last day for Happily Ever After, there was probably six to seven thousand people camped out in the hub uh, for hours before the show. I mean, that show has like you want to talk about a fan base and like mm -hmm. a very uh, uh, loyal following. Uh, that show definitely does. I mean, there were. It was really neat to see it for the last time surrounded by like a thousand people that just all were like. Oh. It's a very emotional experience when that happens. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I was actually standing next to two cast members, which was really nice. Fun. Yeah. All right. So real quick. So let's let's just be honest about something here real quick uh, to the listeners. Trisha is our first first ever guest on the show. First time we're doing an interview with someone. So we were. Obviously, we're so excited to get her, you know, j just start j jamming questions at her that we completely skipped over our, our very first thing we were going to do is actually just ask you some opening questions. So, um, and I, I think we could probably talk about 50th, the October the 1st and 50th merchandise and stuff all day long. So let's get these preliminary questions out of the way and then let's go back to talking about the 50th. Let, let's do that real quick. Okay. So the fellas and I got together, obviously we wanted to, you know, be prepared and, and sound like a, a real podcast and everything, <laughs> you know, not just a hobby. Uh, so we got together and did some planning ahead of time. So we came up with five questions that we want to ask every guest. And 
you are the first. So you're you're special to us. You will always be our first guest. So this is super cool. We're really happy to have you here, Trisha. So thank you. So we're just we love your run. enthusiasm, by the way. It just exudes. I, I can see that you really love the subject matter. And oh, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Sure. It makes it fun for us, too. Well, it's so cool to be the first guest for somebody. I mean, I've, I've been on a, a couple of podcasts. I always love doing it. It's it's one of the fun parts about uh, getting to be an author was honestly, I, I like I almost like being on podcast as much as I like <laughs> seeing the book for the first time. It's it's just really it's always such a wonderful magical group of people. I mean, it's, it, I feel like a lot of the podcasters really kind of exemplify what is so great about the Disney community and why I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. We, you know, we do the show, you know, we're not, this is not a monetary thing for us. We do this because we love this. And, you know, when you're here, you clearly love it, you know, just like we do. So that is super cool. That's so that it is, it is, is absolutely, like you said, the Disney community and everything. Um, you, it, it's really, really cool. So uh, we're, we're excited. So let's do these questions real quick. So the first question we want to ask is, what is your favorite Disney park? Oh, <laughs> oh I know it's a hard oh, one. Okay. So I'm, I, I have to stick with Epcot. And the only reason I was hesitating a little bit to say Magic Kingdom was because the castle is stunning. But then I remembered the ball at night Oh my gosh. It With is, the new beacons. That, uh, or are you talking the beacons of light? Or are you talking about even before that? With the beacons. Okay, um, yes. I mean, you know, you can't beat Magic Kingdom at night. I, like, especially, I especially love it at Christmas. Like, like it's like, there's nothing that's more like, ah, holidays than, than like this. <laughs> um, but, oh, I mean, the castle was was amazing. I mean, the castle's beacons are are cool. The the show is a little bit more specific and, and shorter, um, but the colors that they were able to put on this castle, I mean, it it almost seems unreal. And um, but the Epcot ball, I mean, every angle that you look at it, you see something different. The as you walk away from it, you'll see shapes in it, and I'm I'm like it's Disney. So I know that that's there on purpose. Like it's not just a happy accident. It is absolutely on purpose. Cause you know, one of those show designers, there was one that was on the monorail and watched it from there. There was one that was like in the parking lot and looked at it from there. And they, you know, they put that care into everything, but that, oh, it's just beautiful. You could sit and watch it for an hour. And, and that show is, it's a little, it's a little less like, um, confined into a specific time. And it's like, you'll look at it you'll be in the park and you'll look and all of a sudden it's like a completely different set of colors and then another time you'll see it and it's a totally other set of colors and it's just it's beautiful i didn't even know that was a separate show i thought that was just uh, what happens after uh after the main illumination thing yeah so it's like there's music paired with some parts of it um so like at epcot and unfortunately i didn't see it at animal kingdom or um at Hollywood Studios because I had left the day after. But at uh, Magic Kingdom, it's like there's an announcement. There's a specific set of music. There's kind of a specific set. I, I can't remember if there was a song. I think there was a song. And then after that, and then that's kind of what lit up the beacon. And then the, then the castle kind of stayed and would move. And then that thing would happen again. I think it was about every like 15 to 20 minutes. At Epcot, there wasn't any sort of announcement. It just kind of happened as the sunset and and the the ball lit up. But there's different parts to it. It's not, 
if you stand and watch it for five minutes, you walk away and look at it 20 minutes later, it's not gonna look exactly the same. There's kind of different um, color patterns and movements to it. So I'm sure if you stared at it long enough, you would see some sort of cycle. Um, but I, I didn't see that when I was there. Um, we, we stood watching it for probably half an hour and didn't see a repeat. Nice. Wow. So, um, and there's kind of a randomness to it. And you want to talk about a park for food? I've got like, you can't beat it. I mean, it's, and I, we love the food. Uh, that's one of the things we really love about Disney. I have a book about food. Yes. Um, and a lot of the places in the book are Epcot based because I mean, where else could you go in, in a mile, I mean, like 1.2 miles and try food from, you know, 12 all over the world and good food, not, not theme park food, like good. That's the part that I think people don't realize the quality of the, of the meals that you get at those places. I actually just did a blog uh, for a WW magazine, um, five foodie facts about uh, France Pavilion. And one of the things that's really interesting about France Pavilion is uh, all the restaurants in France Pavilion are run by the Bocuse family. And Paul Bocuse was named chef of the century. Um, this man was Michelin starred French chef, um, was famous and he passed away just a couple of years ago and was like a longtime partner of Disney. So he did the restaurants in Epcot. Um, and so they didn't, they didn't skimp on, okay, well, we're going to get this, you know, yeah, minor French chef guy that lives, you know, over in, in, uh, you know, Key West or anything like that. No, like they were French chefs from France. And one of the chefs that's there was a chef in a Paul Bocuse restaurant in France. His name is Bru Chef Bruno. And he was called by Bocuse and said, He's like, hey, I have this job for you in America. I didn't tell him it was at a theme park. <laughs> um, you know, and back then, Disney didn't have the culinary reputation it has now. And so here's this French chef, like, you know, fully trained, classic French chef. Like, oh, I'm working in a theme park. And he has worked there since the day Epcot opened. And Chefs de France is one of the, the um, restaurants that's been in Epcot since it opened. And the food is is amazing. I've been fortunate enough to travel to France, and the food in a lot of the areas in the France Pavilion is is the level that you're going to get when you're in a Paris bistro and a, a wow. restaurant. And um, it's really, really. I mean, I I feel very fortunate. We were actually able to go to a, a, a Michelin star restaurant in Ypres, France, and. If you go to Montreux Paul, um, which is upstairs of Chefs de France, that food is like that par quality level. That's awesome. So Epcot, you're you're Epcot. saying Epcot for two reasons: beacons of light on Spaceship Earth and the the amazing food, especially in World Showcase. Absolutely. Yeah, well, in all the festivals, I mean, goodness, you could you could like eat for days at Epcot and not try the same thing. Oh my gosh. The, the festivals, you know, I mean, you ride the flower and garden and food and wine and the festival of the arts. I mean, goodness gracious. Epcot. I, I'm with you. Epcot is my favorite has been since I was a kid. So super, super cool. Wait, so awesome. Tony and Ron, what are your favorites? My favorite is magic kingdom. I just, it, it just is, and I know it's it's a little bit of a cop out, but it's just where it, we went in 1976, and um, so it's just it's where I watch my girls watch up walk up to the castle dressed in their Disney um, princesses outfits. Um, it just brings so many. It's just it's ultimate Disney, and it's my favorite park. We'll never go and not go to Magic Kingdom. It's just not something that we would do. So. 
And with me, it was always at the beginning, it was MGM Studios because it was the first park that I'd ever gone to see. But as I, as the years went on, Epcot also became one of our favorites because my wife and I loved dining in the different restaurants there. But we'll get back to that story a little bit later. Okay. All right, so Trisha, the second question, question number two, what's your favorite Disney attraction? I, I always come back to Space Mountain. I just, you oh. want to talk about a ride that you feel like a kid again. Like, yeah. I don't know, but I just like laugh every time on that ride. Um, I rode it on the first, which was really cool. to like basically walked on it. The line was just how long it takes to get from the entrance to the. <laughs> that's incredible. Because um, it is a lengthy queue. So you, that's the long is. walk, right? Well, and that was what was crazy on the course of this trip. I walked on Soren, um, you know, rides that I've never been there and there's not been a line. Um, it was my first time waiting in line for Seven Dwarfs because the line was always, you know, 75, 160 minutes. Yeah. So you don't, you do, you're like, okay, I'm going to fast pass that because it's just, but I was like, this time I'm going to wait in line because I want to see these games, which of course, none of them are really running because of the pandemic. But, um, but it was, it was literally just kind of, maybe 20 minutes it took to, to wow yeah i mean i've never seen some doors I, I mean space mountain was five minutes most of the day um carousel of progress like like a people mover had a line but i think it's just the people mover line when you've got people getting on it there tends to be that that little bit of the line um but it moved the whole time so but yeah space mountain um i actually was there in the 90s it's the first trip to disney i remember and space mountain was closed and so we rode the people mover and you could see Space Mountain and they had all the lights on because they were working on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of glad I wasn't of any sort of like sound mind, like grown up mind at that point in time, because I was just a teenager and just, you know, teenager brain. But um, I think if I saw that now, I would never go on that ride because I do remember <laughs> it just looking like a tangle, like it yeah, looked so like a roller coaster. Yeah, and all crazy wrapped up. So, um, but yeah, I can't, I did a trip where I didn't go on Space Mountain and I felt like something broke in me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when you got home, you really regretted it? Yeah, yeah, I chose Haunted Mansion. It was, I was there for the villains after hours and I was like, I'm here for villains after hours. I gotta go on Haunted Mansion. And I didn't, I didn't walk fast enough to make it to Space Mountain, Mountain before it closed, but I was like, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> Awesome. That's, that's a great pick. Space Mountain is, is yeah, definitely awesome. classic Disney for sure. Yeah. All right. Number three, who or what is your favorite Disney character? Oh, see, that changes all the time. <laughs> I know. That, and that's okay. What is it today? <laughs> what, who is your favorite Disney character today? Can I, can I have a Pixar one and a Disney one? Sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sure. You're the guest. You make the rules. I make the rules. Okay. Um, so, because I feel like Pixar characters so embody so much of Disney, but they're kind of almost their own breed. Um, so we have a dog named Wally, so I have to go with Wally. Oh. And his name is spelled Wally, which my husband is like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I made his name tag. I took him to his first vet appointment. Yes, it is. Um, but yes, so so I would say on that and uh, Wally because you know Pixar they make us fall in love with rats, robots, you know toys like you know we just you they do such an amazing job suspending disbelief right, um, and then on the Disney side, oh, I, I struggle. I, I, 
I, I think, you know, because my, um, I have had this long association with evil stepmothers because I'm a stepmother, oh. but I try not to be evil. <laughs> um, so I kind of have to, to go a little bit with Lady Tremaine. Mm-hmm. And um, just because, you know, just that, that connection and um, her character is just so great. Uh, I, I don't think I fully appreciated like how amazing it is to, it, to it, unless you watch it as an adult of just really like what, what all is going on with this character, just even like the way that her daughter's annoyed the crap out of her is really funny. Do they still um, wander the park? Are they still, are they still there on a regular basis? So the, the stepsisters are, so Drusilla and Anastasia, um, they were doing like the distance um, meets at, in front of Princess Fairytale Hall, which is really funny because they obviously worked up the fact, like, look at where we are. Um, but now that they're going to be opening that for, uh, so I think Cinderella and Tiana, I think, um, so they're going to be opening that back up. So they their usual meet and greet is like along kind of the castle wall, that wall that um, runs behind the carousel. Uh, so that's where the usual one is. So we'll kind of see where they end up. But they were like all over the place. They were on the balcony outside the castle at one point. Oh, yeah. There. Um, and then Lady Tremaine is usually at 1900 Park Fair, which isn't back to character mail yet. So fingers crossed. But I did get to meet her. And and I got a copy of my book signed by her. Wow, like, how fun. <laughs> and for those of you who may not be familiar with uh, them, St- Cinderella step family, there are so many great videos of them on YouTube. They will have you laughing. I mean, uh, my wife and I sit sometimes on Saturday nights and we go through some of these videos and just laugh hysterically at, at Cinderella step family. Oh, well, we, when we went to, so when I did 1900 Park Fair, I was there with a friend and she and I, neither one had ever done it. And it was hysterical because Anastasia loves to harass Prince Charming, <laughs> would, like yell stuff at him across the restaurant every time she saw him. Um, and then they kept trying to find, if you, if you had a boy with you, they would try to figure out if they could marry your son. And then my friend and I both have sons, but they were, you know, 10 at the time. But they were like, it's okay. Like, well, I can wait a few years, you know, like how rich are you? You know, they asked, they, they just, they, they just, villains get to have more fun and they definitely embody that. That's awesome. You are literally the first person in human history to say Lady Tremaine is your, fir- your favorite Disney character. That is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. You know, it's just today. Cause I'm kind of like, I like, I'm like feeling her. I also just read um, the book cold hearted. It's a, a fiction series that, that has like different Disney characters and, and they gave her backstory and it was, uh, really, uh, you know, obviously a fictionalized backstory, but um, it was really fascinating. And, you know, they always say villains are incredibly complicated, right? She's incredibly complicated. Um, and it was really kind of fascinating to hear this backstory of hers and like why she ended up how she ended up. And there was some interesting reason. <laughs> now, Trisha, I'm not judging you because it, my favorite Disney characters, I'm going to do the same thing you did with Pixar and and Disney, traditional Disney. My favorite for Pixar, my favorite is Syndrome and oh. from The Incredibles. And my favorite Disney character is Jafar. So like, I'm a, I'm a villain guy too. I'm a Darth Vader guy. You know, I'm, I'm always on the dark side. So I, I, I'm feeling your love of Lady Tremaine. <laughs> I, I, I'm not judging you at all, but I was really, look, you're so perky and enthusiastic yeah. and all smiley and stuff. And then you're like, Lady Tremaine. And I was like, wow, that came out of nowhere. 
So I'm absolutely entertained by your answer, but I'm not judging you at all. I'm a dark side guy too. So I will say really quickly, since this I is a Disney it. thing, um, Lady Tremaine in the animated movie is one of the scariest characters there ever was in a Disney movie. She's a, the, the animation in that is so amazing. You actually feel it, uh, feel the emotion of what's going on in that scene. You feel really bad for Cinderella, but you also, uh, it, it, you just wonder at how they were able to capture those expressions in Tremaine's face. Well, and, and with the, what they were working with at the time too. So you really, yeah. I, I mean, I would love to know the backstory with that. Like who they model after yes. they had, you know, who, so who was in your head and they always focus on like the inspiration for Tank and for the different princesses. But I'm like, all right, who were you thinking of? Like, was it someone's grandma? Somebody <laughs> yeah. I thought of that too. Where I was thinking of that her? the last time I watched it. <laughs> they may not want to want to reveal that and make somebody feel bad about themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah there's someone's stepmom that was like i was trying really hard and they're like oh <laughs> so all right that's awesome all right number four not to be a downer but we did an episode about this a few weeks ago so we just want to know what you say what is your least favorite disney attraction i probably have to say water rides like in general i'm categorizing in general because i just don't like walking around in wet underwear like the rest <laughs> of florida's hot as it is so it's already hard to be comfortable um i did splash mountain i think i've ridden it twice and i'm just like i love the music and i love all, and then but then i'm like but i have to get wet like could i have like, a non-wet version of splash mountain um i realized i was trying to think i thought you guys might ask me like what attraction or ride have I not done and one of them is Cali River Rapids as much oh. as I think like it's cool looking but I'm like can I do it without getting wet and the answer to that is no so I'm like well you know I, I guess I'm gonna have to like go with a change of clothes or something at some they give point. you a poncho you can get a poncho yeah and, and, and there's there's traditionally one person that just gets Doubt, so yeah. yeah and and you would be that person <laughs> absolutely that was that was what happened to me on splash mountain like i, oh. I was like okay don't really want to get wet and i think one of my smart alecky kids was like ha ah! and like, like <laughs> you know i was like oh, this is i mm. so uh yes so i probably would say water rights because i feel like with all of them i can find some little element you know whether it's the story or the music or you know, the design, like that's what I think with Cali River Rapids and I love Splash Mountain, just the color that they're able, I mean, it really just is, is so immersive, but I'm like, I'm very excited for it to be Princess and the Frog theme. I may make some enemies here, but I, I think that that's great. I think Tiana is an incredible princess. She is my favorite princess and it's about dang time that she gets, I mean, Rapunzel's got toilets. But Tiana <laughs> <laughs> at least give her something, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see, and, and talk about a princess movie with incredible music, uh, the music in that. So, so I can't wait for the, the soundtrack for that attraction. So uh, I'm going to add an addendum to that question. So you okay. said that, you know, you'd never been on uh, Cali River Rapids. So you're, you're not like our buddy Ron and going to like add stuff to your list that you've never done before. He's like for three weeks in a row on every episode. Two weeks. Uh, maybe seven, I'm not sure. <laughs> but he, he's like added something to a list that he doesn't like or hasn't, you know, whatever. 
And then later in the episode, he reveals, oh yeah, I never did it. And we're like, Ron, what, what? So, so I'm, I'm glad, Trisha, that you were able to express a dislike for, I guess you could say an attraction genre with without having you know just throwing something out the out the window that you'd never experienced before well and ron i i heard them giving you crap about uh not so scary halloween party and so ron have you actually done it before you have (laughs) (laughs) yeah but tiki room i can tell you i have a great tiki room story so we went in um 2015 we took our whole family and that was actually what triggered me writing my first book um, but we had 11 people with us. So we had, um, my husband and I have yours, mine and ours. And so we had the five kids okay. and then we had some um, significant others with some of our older kids. And one of the significant others had been to Disney. He'd been to Disneyland. He'd been to like tons and tons and tons of times. Had never been in the Tiki room. So I think this was one, if I remember Ron, that you were like, heck no. <laughs> so all the rest of us had his face when we were sitting in there was like what is this? his face was just like <laughs> like like kind of and then would look at us like why are we here and then we'd just kind of watch it like the astonishment in his face was just classic it was it was hysterical and we asked him about it after and he was just like I was just like what is this like and he's like that's what kept going through my head what is this they're not real but like what is this so it was really it was it was just kind of a a fun perspective and I thought I was as you guys were talking about giving Ron crap about Tiki Room I'm like I've been there I was with somebody that had the same emotions (laughs) well I've committed to going to the tiki room the next time i'm at disney so it may be interesting i will be reporting for sure if i can stand by my decision (laughs) (laughs) i would say go into it with an appreciation for thinking back to when it was created and how hard that was then i think if you can look at it with that like the creaking and the clicking and like all these things that are not very Disney I'll almost take on like this whimsical quality and it has the smell like there right. are those Disney those old Disney attractions that have smell and that one like more though more so than any uh, any that I think because you know it is that room it just has it has that smell so it's like just go in there for that well and, and it's odd because I really do value the classic uh, carousel of progress small world I don't, I, I don't know why tiki room didn't capture me that way but i am gonna go take a look at it and make sure that i give it its fair game well and so had you not been on the people mover either no i've been on people Mover. okay okay because i heard that one come up and but i didn't hear the the backstory with it because there, you know two rides best places to take a nap in magic kingdom people mover carousel of progress we're oh whoa you take a nap on carousel progress well if you've watched it you've seen it and it's a good it is a good place and is there conditioning in there like gentle movement it's not too my wife's cracking up as i said that because (laughs) the last time i was there i may have dozed during that ride a little bit (laughs) you were resting your eyes ron that's exactly (laughs) all right that's fun yeah so so ron and i we've been friends for i don't know like 17 18 years now so that's kind of our relationship that's all we do is just just give each other a hard time so i'm really excited that 
uh, I can bring that relationship into the podcast and I will never, ever forget <laughs> to not give him a hard time about the Tiki Room and stuff. So I'm glad you could join us in that today, Trisha. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, I'm earning my place in the treehouse. Yes, yeah. yes, you're one of us. All right, so question number five. This is the last one of our, our guest questions. And this one might be hard because, you know, listening to your, your enthusiasm for Disney and your parks and love of everything, this one might be hard to pick just one. But what is your best Disney memory? If you could lock it down to one, I know it's hard. Oh, see, you got you to gotta put a different adjective than best. Like, like there's got to be like, or best Mickey or best. <laughs> I mean, oh. Well, if we did that, we'd be here all day yeah, long, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so hard because I've been to Disney by myself. I've been to Disney with, with um, friends, which is super fun. My husband and I have been just the two of us. And so it was like a five day date, which was amazing. I've been with my kids. So I've seen, you know, kids have their first Mickey moment, which they're, you know, seeing your kid hug Mickey for the first time, like, come on, like that, you know, that's all the feels. Um, being there on the 50th, um, that last happily ever after that first moment when the music first starts and the castle lights change, like, oh my goodness. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of like what life? She's cheating. She's yeah. listing all. I'm just listing. I'm like, okay, now I can choose one. Um, Listen, that was I'm not cheating. Was you know what that was? <laughs> that was the machine gun answer. She she <laughs> she literally threw out one for best alone, best with the family, best with the kids, best with the. Um, I mean, she's like bam, 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 and she's just lay, laying them on us. Well, it's kind of like what I said about the first trip. It's hard to say what's the what's the first trip because when you go back all those times with with somebody else, it's always another first experience. Sure. Yeah, um, my husband and I got married there, so I feel like that's, oh my gosh, that's supposed to be my answer, right? Um, <laughs> we'll see. That was but okay. So I'm I'm gonna go with this one because it had like an attraction and like everybody. So when we were there in 2015, um, my parents were with us. We had all the kids, and all of us went on Expedition Everest for the first time together. And we we did a fast pass, and so you know we kind of like sped through and rode the ride, and we all got off the ride and we all looked at each other, and we were like, "That was amazing. Do you want to go on it again?" And, and like the standby line was only 20 minutes and we all just ran together, all 11 of us, this like giant group was like, ah, and all running to, to ride it the second time. And, and I think the reason I'm choosing that is one, cause that is such a great attraction and 11 people, huge, huge differences in interests, huge differences in age, huge differences in, in, you know, what we love about Disney. And all 11 of us for, for that one moment <laughs> were like, yes, this is, this was so amazing. I want to do this together. And again, and if any of you have gone with big groups, you know, having everyone happy at one time yeah. is, is magical. So I, I, I think, I think that one, cause we just, there was just so much excitement. And I remember, um, was running over there with my stepdad and we were just like, huh? and, and he doesn't usually do that many roller coasters either. So, um, so it was great because like my parents with the grandkids and, and, you know, we were with the kids and, and it was just, um, 
it was just, it was, it was awesome. And we obviously have, you know, the ride photos from it and everything. So I'm going to go with that one. That's, I mean, and that's pretty special. I mean, I, I, I love all the other ones, you know, you, you married your husband there and your kids first Mickey hug and yeah, it's impossible to choose, but that's pretty cool that you landed on that one. Cause that it's almost like it brought all of those things together because you got those 11 people you know, not arguing about where they're going to eat that day or not arguing about they want to do the, you know, the other ride or why aren't we at Magic Kingdom today? You brought yeah. all those 11 people, different interests, different ages, different whatevers, and everybody was happy and smiling and loving it together, yeah. which is probably close to impossible to do that with 11 people. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I really dig that answer. That is excellent. And it feels so simple compared to like, I mean, I've, I feel so fortunate. I, I've gotten to do some really cool, cool, like what stuff when I've been at Disney. And, um, and, and that one is like, uh, it, it's, it, it's not like you have to know somebody or you have to have, you know, have a special button to make any of that happen. It was just, you know, that, that you have that moment. And that's, that's one of the ones that stands out to me from that trip too, is, is like, it was really, it was really amazing. Um, well, and you said something there that I think is so Disney is that you can have some really, really special events that you get to do at Disney because you are somebody or, you know, somebody or whatever put whatever right but what's incredible about disney and i think why they are at one of the number one destinations is because you don't have to know somebody you don't have to do something special and create a memory that you'll have for a lifetime and and why people love disney and why we do podcasts and why um disney is what it is and as you mentioned, it's something we can enjoy on our own as well as with a big group. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Ron, to your point, um, you know, we, I know we've been talking a little bit about being there on October 1st, but I can tell you one of the magical moments of that trip was the first day I was there, I went into Epcot and I, I came in from the, from the Skyliner and came in, you know, from International Gateway, so the backside of Epcot and saw a PhotoPass photographer, the, the one that usually, there's always somebody kind of on that bridge. So you've got that beautiful background of France. And I was wearing like a Ratatouille themed dress. And it was so funny because this PhotoPass photographer caught each other and we just caught each other's eye. And I was like, are you free? And he's like, yes. I'm like, oh my gosh. Cause usually this person has this giant line. Like sometimes it like wraps around the bridge. And I was like, ah, oh, this is perfect. And, and it was so funny because I felt like we just wanted to hug each other because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm here. And he's like, guests are back and we're getting to do this again. And, and oh. I've been during the pandemic, but you couldn't interact as much with cast members. You just, that was the piece that I would think was the hardest thing to lose was they are what make it unforgettable. Um, it, I mean, they, that, no one can even touch Disney in terms of, of I think, that piece of it um, and that passion and that just, that, that moment of like feeling this, this like great connection with, with uh, someone you've never met in your life, um, but you have this, 
you know, interest and his, his excitement. And, mm-hmm. and it literally, we, and we even talked about it. Like, I'm like, I'm so excited to be here. And he's like, we're so excited. Everybody's <laughs> here. Like it, just, it was, you know, again, I was there during the pandemic and I know there was a lot of excitement, um, you know, when they first started to open, but it was open and it, they had to do things so differently than, than what, um, made Disney so, so special and unique. And, and I felt like that was the first time that I was there that they really got to be back in, in, and it felt like it kind of did before, but more so and amplified because we could appreciate it in a level that, that we didn't before. You know, I think it's easy to take advantage of that kindness and that way that those cast members are when you've gone and it's just kind of there to lose that for you know 18 months and then be able to be there and have that back and just how incredible they are that that was that was just such such a great moment didn't it feel like a void during that period that we weren't able to go there and it was closed down there was this huge void in the back of my head thinking you know this place is just not there and and it's just adding more sadness to the world in a weird way yeah, and um, I feel very fortunate. I got uh, I went with a friend of mine, probably one of my most magical trips um, in February of 2020. She was running the Princess Half Marathon. We just lived it up. Like I did Villains After Hours by myself, Disney bounded, Bowler Hat Guy, cast member drew a mustache on my face. Like we we did the storybook dining with Snow White. I mean, we we did so much. Um, I got to do the Cheer Squad, which I've never done anything like that before. Um, And that trip was so incredible. And I, I'm so glad we took it because, you know, less than three weeks later, the world was a completely different place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the first time since I think, what was it since like Disneyland's gates open, there was not a Disney park open somewhere in the world. And I think maybe I didn't realize, and I know, you know, some other Disney fans said that they didn't, you didn't realize like how much that kind of meant. Oh yeah. There was one. Um, and then, you know, I think for some people that was when it was like, oh crap, you know, there's bad stuff. Like, this is bad. Yes. Um, you know, that was this. Acknowledge- Once they closed, it was like, uh oh, <laughs> this is like, not good. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is the, this, no, we're not messing around. No, this is yeah. really, this is really, really, really bad. Um, and in then, you know, everything. And I, I live in Illinois and we were stay home for months. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, so we got a dog because that's what you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so I think that, that being back there, um, then that time period, it felt, it felt more like it had before, but again, I think it was just amplified because you just hadn't had that. And, and you realized that it was something that wasn't a given either. Yeah. You know, it, it, we kind it of be lost. Yeah. It, it it's not a, it's not a forever thing. It's not a given that there's always going to be there. And there's things that can happen that can impact that. Well, if I may, I'd like to lead you back to some better times. I'm sorry, Ron. If I can lead lead you back to some better times. I was wondering if you could tell us about how you started this whole journey to begin with. You, you, do you, you mentioned, I believe in your blog about your very first trip to Disney and hugging Chewbacca at three and and I'd love to hear that. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I don't know if you know that from other shows before, but I'd like to know where did this journey start? Um, well, so I I had gone to Disney. I had family that lived in uh, Central Florida, but they live in the part of Central Florida that no one goes to. Like, so it was just 
like mosquitoes. That's all I remember. <laughs> just mosquitoes, like mosquitoes. Um, and so we had gone when I was really little, like three. So I don't even remember it. I just was told that you did this. Um, and then uh, we went again, my brother, my dad and I in the 90s. And that's when, uh, and I found a couple of years later, this photo of he and I with uh, Chewbacca. So we were there in the 90s and I did a, a piece for WDW Magazine that was what we called a travel by map. I had a, a person that I was in a fan club with that gave me this box of old Disney maps. And I didn't realize how much I loved Disney maps until I had this giant box of all these old ones. But um, so, uh, so I'm, I submit all of these photos to go with it. And I like jokingly submit this photo of my brother and I, and I'm showing a photo of my, my brother and I with our 90s hair in Chewbacca with his always 90s hair. Um, <laughs> and I thought, like, they're not going to use that. Like, and then not only did they use it, it's like a quarter of the page. <laughs> it's a giant <laughs> photo of us in all of our 90s glory. And so I, I, I remember when I got the magazine and I'm flipping through it and I'm all excited because I'm like, oh, great, there's this feature in it. And then I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> like I think he's not going to be mad at me for this but he's a mullet and it's not a small photo and I'm like I think that there's you know none of our close friends are going to be looking at this but I sent him a photo and I'm like I'm really 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 sorry but this is pretty cool and he was like no this is great I'm so proud of you this is this is very cool so thankfully it was very understanding but um but yeah so that's the first trip I really have memories of um but very little I like I remember the Roger Rabbit area of MGM <laughs> I remember a lot from MGM. I, I think we went to Magic Kingdom. I don't. I don't know 100%. I'm pretty sure we did. Um, I don't think we went to to Epcot, and Animal Kingdom wasn't open yet. So, because um, my dad was like, "No, we're not going to do that. We're going to go here." <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah. So that that's really the the first one I remember. And then um, I had gone in college uh, and saw the 25th castle, which was a big birthday cake, which was a shock. Because <laughs> if you think, you know, Facebook and, Facebook and Instagram didn't exist then. So if you were planning to go to Disney and didn't know that that castle looked like that, it yeah. quite the surprise. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, my husband and I, uh, we, we were dating and we were like, we wanna get married, the kids wanna go to Disney, let's just combine it all together. So in 2005, we went, and um, that was the first time I had planned a trip for that many people and we were planning a wedding. And so, you know, kind of learned a lot planning then. And then we told the kids then, hey, we'll go back in 10 years. And it's one of those things they'd say, never tell your kids stuff like that because they will hold you to it. And they did. And they were like, oh, it's 2015. When are we going? <laughs> um, we planned a trip for 11. It was amazing. Um, like any Disney trip, highs and lows, but incredible stuff and I got back from that trip and was like wow I learned a lot and I had read a couple of books from theme park press and realized that so many of the guides out there were really kind of geared towards you know kind of this traditional uh nuclear family of like mom dad and their kids you know their two kids and I was like that's not our situation and there was all these things that I kind of learned planning for this bigger group and I thought oh maybe I'll write a book and I reached out to the to the publisher for Theme Park Press, and he's like, "Great, can you have forty five thousand words for me by you know February?" And I was like, 
I didn't, okay, I think so. I don't know, I've never written a book before. And so then um, I did 45,000 words and then sent him a manuscript and he sent me back and added a manuscript. And then a couple of years after that, so in 2017, that was when my first book came out. Um, and he said, I like the way you write, write about food. Could you write me a food book about Disney World? And so in 2018, that's when my second book, Tasting the Magic from A to Z came out. And then as I was writing more and more, I was realizing like more and more people started to ask me, like, help me plan my trip or um, kind of, you know, doing podcasts and getting questions. And one of the questions I kept getting was something like, well, I love Cinderella. What's everything Cinderella? Or my kid's obsessed with Mickey. What's everything Mickey? And I would do research and realize like, wow, there's so many good resources out there, but there isn't anything that's comprehensive on that, at least at the time. And it, so there'd be things that would talk about the meet and greets or the meals, or maybe this party, but not all in one place. Um, and so that's what led me to write um, my series called The Story Comes Alive. And the first book in this series is uh, Walt Disney and the Fab Five, which now is the Sensational Six, which of course Disney changes everything and it should be <laughs> this by now, but like probably six months after this came out, they changed it from the Fab Five to the Sensational Six, but I've just learned to get over those things. Um, but yeah, so this has got for uh, each of the characters, including Daisy, um, a chapter that tells you everything that character, where's the best place to shop? Where will you see artwork and things um, or in the rooms at resorts, uh, character meals, meet and greets, attractions that feature that, uh, that character, shows, um, nighttime shows, kind of everything. I really wanted it to be comprehensive. Also things seasonally. So if you see, you know, there's a lot of Remy at Food and Wine. There's a lot of Figment at Festival of the Arts. Um, so including some of those things. And so that's what led to that series. And originally I thought like, oh, it would probably be like 12 characters, like a book. Um, and I realized it was far more than that. It was something like 50 plus characters in movies. And so it led to this being more of a series. Um, so we've got princesses and frozen, and then this is classics. And then there's two more that someday may come out, but now is not the time to put out a guide about characters at Disney. <laughs> Did that's, you have to make a pretty good point? Did you have to make uh, many, many trips for this or how, what kind of research trips did you make? Um, I did a couple of research trips just to kind of try to get a sense of like how much non, uh, like non uh, out there things. Like, so, so for example, like Minnie's Holiday Dine, I really wanted to do because I had read enough about it to kind of know like, oh, the costumes are pretty amazing, but are they in person? It seems like it, but I want to, I want to um, see it with my own eyes. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it really was. Their costumes are great. Um, there's a cleverness. There's there's a quality that they put into those costumes. And so we do stuff like that. The food book had the most research. I actually did a trip specifically for researching that book. And I got to interview uh, Chef Bruno that I mentioned earlier um, in France. And so getting to do something like that, and it wasn't like we had anything scheduled. It was more, I was making a ton of notes during the meal the cast member waitress uh, was like, oh, just, just curious what you're doing. And I was like, oh, I'm writing a book. And she's like, oh, you should talk to our chef. And so it was like completely just, you know, magic moment there. But yeah, that one had the most research in terms of in the parks, but the, the story comes alive, took a ton of 
watching videos and then watching more videos and then going and seeing it with my own eyes and then watching more videos. Uh, Cause I don't always trust photos. I'm amazed at when someone will post a photo and I'm looking and I'm like, that's not Disney world. That's Disneyland. It's definitely not Disney world, <laughs> but you know, for some folks it's, it does you know, that doesn't matter. It's, this is a cute picture of Mickey, not it's here versus there, but you know, accuracy is kind of part of my type A personality. So um, I really wanted to see it on video because I'm like, that's a lot harder to doctor. <laughs> What's um, great is that these are great. These will be great reference books if they do change things. And with today's technology, you can probably update them from time to time. Yes, definitely. And I've gone back and forth about it. And, and this was all before I started writing for the magazine. So now that I'm writing for the magazine, the books come in handy because one of the columns I write, I write two columns monthly for WW Magazine. And one is um, character magic. And it, what I try to do in the article is, you know, let you know, here's where you can see this character. And obviously things are, you know, very, very up in the air with that, but here's where you can see the character. Um, here's some, you know, things to maybe consider doing before you meet them that can help with when you're meeting them. Um, here's other stuff besides an autograph book. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm not a big autograph book person. I actually bring my book and have them autograph that. <laughs> And to but, see a character, like there are a few things more magical than seeing a character freak out about the fact that their name is the name of a chapter in a book. Um, it's really, really fun. I have some great <laughs> video and photos of the characters like, what? <laughs> um, so it's really, it's really neat. Um, but like different things to autograph besides just the books. And then also, if you're not sure what to say, I mean, I, I still get nervous, like Elsa and Anna, I just... I, I almost don't enjoy it because I don't, I don't know why they're just humans. I get that, but I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. So one of the things in the article in the column is, you know, giving ideas of things to say, questions to ask, to just kind of help make it a little less intimidating. Cause it can be intimidating if, especially if you're three and like Goofy is giant. He's huge. Oh yes. Um, so uh, yeah. So the, those are the two cons I write for the magazine. And so it's been, I would say it's been harder to, to work books into that timeline um, with the columns of the magazine. Cause it's really, it's really fun to write for them too. So, I mean, that's really, really awesome. But so what about like, how did you get into writing? Did, what was your profession before you were like, Hey, I have a great idea. Let's write a book. Did you write as a profession before that or and if not like where does that come from it's like I'm a you know you you're a nurse and like all of a sudden poof I'm a Disney book writer you know how does that transition happen so it was writing your profession and if not how did we make that that transition writing was not um so my my uh undergraduate degrees in communications but it was more like uh executive um like corporate communications and then my master's degree is in marketing. Um, I've had to write for work a couple of times. So I work in healthcare marketing. Um, I used to work for some very big pharmaceutical companies, one that makes a very important COVID test. If you look up this area, <laughs> Illinois, you'll see there's, there's kind of a, we've got like a little healthcare corridor in part of Illinois. Um, and so um, I worked for some of those companies as a marketer in their marketing teams. And then now I work for an agency. And so I have to do a lot more writing than I did before, but I'd never consider myself a writer. It took until my second book came out that I would ever say, if someone asked me what I did, I'd never say author or writer. I, I just, 
it was, oh, I work for this healthcare, you know, I, I work in healthcare marketing. That's what I do. So it wasn't until the second book came out that I was even okay with saying author. Um, but no, it's not, I never had any aspirations to like write a book. I think the first book, it was more, I felt like there was a need. Um, and it was kind of excited, honestly, to have it a little bit as, as, a, as a memento for our family too. Like those memories are really documented now somewhere. Um, and then, you know, when a publisher says, hey, write me a second one, you don't usually say no. And so suddenly it became this, okay, I'm going to just do this thing, this one-off thing to, oh, wait, this might be a more than just a one-off thing. Um, and so, you know, as ideas came to me, that's what kind of triggered writing the next one and writing the next one. But I would still say like, it's, it's not my day job by any stretch. Um, don't go into being an author thinking like you're going to have the money to buy a yacht or even like quit your day job. It is not, um, it is not a very lucrative career, unfortunately, if you're JK Rowling, it is, but <laughs> you so, never know. You never know. You might have the yeah. opportunity someday. I can tell you that the Amazon and Amazon makes the most money off every book that I sell, um, which is, you know, I think that that's kind of the challenge in most creative spaces is, you know, the artist is kind of the person that gets the, the smallest amount. Do you have a place where people can actually, uh, that you would prefer that they buy it from or a, a specific site? The easiest, the easiest is usually Amazon. For a lot of people, it's just because of Prime and that. Yeah. But um, people can also reach out to me directly to get signed copies. A lot of people really like that. Um, I personalize them. I try to include little things that I found in the parks, like stickers or, you know, fun, fun little things that I found in the parks, um, it, like in the book. Uh, so, yeah, so folks can reach out to me directly either via email or um, Instagram is usually how most folks do it um, to, to purchase uh um, sign copies too. And what's your handle? I'll put it in the, uh, yeah, it's, um, at not so evil underscore Disney stepmom. So Trisha, that was really, really cool. The way that you, you know, you brought that all together. I love the fact that, you know, they always say, what's that old saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So I almost feel like you were, you were channeling that old saying you, you went on this trip with your gigantic party of 11 and you're like, that would have been easier if somebody had a book about that, but that didn't exist. So you just wrote the thing. That is so incredibly cool. Well, so and it's funny. I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking at the book right now, trying to figure out um, like a couple of the things that I like remember kind of thinking back like, oh yeah, that was something that was really helpful. Um, and one of the things that I found helped me a lot when I was planning for a big group. And so one of the things that is in the not so evil stepmother and some of it's still applicable. I mean, obviously the book is now five years old, but there's, um, so I'm showing the, the table of contents. And so what I did is I broke the book up into four different experiences talking about being at Disney for eight, being at Disney for two, Disney for three, and then Disney for 11. Um, and in the, <laughs> the way that I, I, I liked writing a little bit more of a narrative style versus just like, I'm going to give you an attraction. This is the average wait time. This is the height requirements that what I did was more wrote about, here's what we did. And then what are some things we kind of learned around this experience? So kind of gave you a narrative, of like being there with us, kind of a trip report. And then what are some things that can help with planning based off of that? So like for pre-booking, um, 
I always kind of tell people, you know, think about the parks that you want to spend the most time in. If you're trying to figure out what Disney resort to stay in, think about um, what kind of resort you're looking for, because some resorts are destination resorts. And you don't, if you're like, I am done with people by the end of a day at a Disney park, the last thing you want to do is get to your resort and it be like a packed lobby because it's a destination resort. And there are some resorts that are, um, and where, you know, half the people there are not sleeping there. Um, they're there because there's something to see. Animal Kingdom Lodge is a great example of that, um, which is why we stayed at Kadani Village, which is a DVC resort. Um, we're not DVC, so I always tell people too, you don't have to be DVC to stay at a DVC resort. Um, but we stayed at Kadani Village because it wasn't as much. Um, the, you know, the crowds were much smaller um, and uh, it, it just, there was a break at the end of the day. However, <laughs> our room was a third of a mile from the elevator mm -hmm. to our room. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, that's another yeah. thing I always tell people to think about. Um, how much are you really, if you, if you're there with a two-year-old, don't be at a resort where you're going to have a half mile walk at the end yeah. of the day. Like you're just setting yourself up for failure, um, and screaming and, um, <laughs> Well, it's not just two-year-olds. It's also, I, I was traveling with elderly folks who had a, a special needs and it, we, we stayed at the boardwalk and that was about a mile just to get to our room. I know. And that's, that's one of the things that I try to kind of let people know. And it's the kind of stuff that I don't think, you know, unless you've gone and stayed there. And I, and I've heard that I haven't stayed at boardwalk and for that specific reason, the other thing for me is I'm coming from Chicago I try to go a lot of times in the winter when the weather here is not as nice. Um, and I don't really want to be in Florida in the summer because mosquitoes um, and <laughs> heat. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, I want to be outside as much as possible. And some of these resorts, and I think Boardwalk is one of them, you're doing that walk and it's forever <laughs> and it's all inside. It is. You don't, you're like, I'm, I, I'm not, there's no fresh air. There's just Disney Florida air conditioning. Um, so you're like, oh, I have to put on five layers to get from my room to the elevator. But then the <laughs> second I get outside, I'm like, oh, wait, okay. I, it's not 65 degrees outside. Um, I'm so glad to hear that. I was thinking it was just me. I said, is this walk like never ending in here? There's times when we were, we, so we did a time lapse of the walk from the room to the elevator. It keeps going it and, go, and going. And when we were first walking to the room, we were like, are they serious? <laughs> Where is this? And, and, and you're looking at the map and thinking like, it can't be that long. It's that long. It is. Um, but what was amazing about it was we were right by where all the animals sleep. So um, we got That's to cool. see every night this, you know, group of animals made their way across the savannah um, we got to see them try to feed the wildebeest which was fascinating um, nice we i mean so there are there's magic in 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 some of those rooms and and so i actually did a blog post for for the magazine about like one of the most magical rooms at disney now it comes with a cost of a third of a mile every uh every, you know the last yeah. thing you really want to do after epcot is walk that but um it was amazing to see that we had um the, a lot of the the veterinary offices were in um in some of the the pins for the animals were like actually in the bottom floor so we were on the second floor um and 
there was a room under us and then under that was like where the little warthogs would yell at about six o'clock every morning oh wow <laughs> a lot of squealing um but it was also like did you have to pay extra for the warthog squealing or was that included in the room it was yeah yeah um no but it was so funny because the guy originally had to put us somewhere else and i was like oh i think we kind of like to be closer to like the bus stop and the pool and so his response was to put us even further away but it was almost like he knew something that we didn't and it was almost like he was like just trust me just trust me and I'm really glad we did because we, I mean, and we had, um, what's cool with Kadani is if you do the two bedroom villa, your balcony extends across all three. So you've got, and it's one big long balcony. So it's the master bedroom, the um, living room kitchen area and the, the um, second bedroom all have balconies, but it's one big long balcony. So you have this giant balcony that overlooks the Savannah and to be right there, like, we saw these really tall cages and that's where the giraffes went to bed every night and we saw nice. letting them out in the morning and we saw you know like the zebras and the gazelles just like hanging out together like okay fine we'll leave you're not going to give us food yet <laughs> you know make us go over there um so it was just it was really really amazing and so that's one of the things some of this type of stuff that i put in the books to try to let people know these are things to, to think about, you know, boardwalk, you're going to walk a really, really, really long time. And that's really good information. I know there's been days when I, you know, you spoke earlier, you were at the Magic Kingdom for 15 and a half hours that day on um, the, the first. There's been days when I feel like that I've been in Magic Kingdom or whatever for so long that when I finally stepped onto the monorail on the way home or whatever, I felt like I just took the last step I am physically capable of taking. <laughs> and, and then like, if I didn't know about the distance between lobby to my room, I, I probably would not make it. You know what I mean? I feel like I've, I've exhausted my body. And, but, oh, wait, you still have a mile and a half of, of corridor walking back at your hotel. Yeah. That's really insightful stuff that you're certainly right. Most people don't know until they've experienced it. So to have that in the book is super helpful. That's great stuff. Right. The other thing, the one other thing I just want to mention too, the other thing that I found helped a lot too is I asked everyone in our group to send me a text with three of their A-level priorities. And I said, it could be everything. If it's like, I want to have a Mickey bar. If it's, I want to eat at this restaurant. I want to go on this attraction. I'm like, but you get three. And I am not going to promise you I'm going to be able to make all three happen, but you get three nighttime show, whatever it is, like whatever thing is it that you want to see this character, you get three um, and then use that to kind of help to with structuring our days a little bit. This was when things were different. You had fast passes and which I think kind of helped also structure the day a little bit. But um, I know it can be really, really hard when you're planning for a big group and you want everyone to be happy all the time and they're not going to be. But um this way it was, I tried my best to make sure that everybody's three things that they went into the trip with, we, we did. And I think we got to everybody's list, but um, the, the beauty of older kids, I sent them a text like, you get three, that's it. <laughs> so think about it. Don't send it to me <laughs> until you've thought about it because the other stuff may not happen, but um, that helped with prioritizing too. Because um, when you have that many people, you just, you cannot be everything to everybody. You just can't. So you have to prioritize. Well, look, I'm a self-professed uh, math novice. I'm horrible at math, but I'm pretty sure 11 times three is 33. 
So just trying to squeeze in 33 must-haves into a into a trip that seems daunting. So I know you're probably just like you know praying. Please let some of these overlap. Please let them want to do the same thing, right? You know. So now it's only 29 things because they agreed on something. That's a really good idea, though. I like that. That's very very cool stuff. All right, guys. So listen up. We're going to split this episode up into two into two parts. And Trisha has very very graciously agreed to come back for a second time. So we're going to stop the main segment here where we've talked about her, her achievements as an author and all the super cool stuff she's been putting into her books. We didn't even really get to her contributions as a WDW magazine um, writer. So we're going to do that next week. So Trisha, first of all, thank you for all of your incredible stories and the stuff about the 50th and your books, really, really cool stuff. And thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for agreeing to come back again next week. So we're already looking forward to that because I, I can't even begin to tell you how much fun we've had with you today. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's nice to start off a weekend talking about your favorite place on earth. So it, it, yeah. this has been, it's been a lot of fun and you guys are, are great. You're and I, again, I have said it before. Like, I feel like I'm in like the treehouse. Like, hi. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. You haven't kicked me out yet. Yeah, we've enjoyed you having, <laughs> having you here. Actually, I'm considering uh, replacing Ron with you anyway, Trisha. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm that close. I'm like, you know, Ron, thank you for your service. We'll get rid of him. And then you could be the, you could be the new no. person. So, oh, I would never do that. I, I, I almost like Ron. So thank you so much for being here. Trisha. He's got that amazing backdrop. Like, come on. Like that. That's right. Go on the YouTube channel just to see how beautiful his backdrop is. Yes. If you're watching the video, definitely focus on the castle and not on Ron. That's what Trisha's saying. Yeah. You, you may get a little, you, your eyes may get burnt a little bit. He said that, not me. That was him, not me. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Trisha. But Trisha's not leaving yet. She is actually going to stay with us for the last couple of segments, our, our segments we do each week. So, Trisha, the fun's not over just yet. Okay. So, we're going to move on to segment two today. And Trisha, this is pretty cool because it actually, again, we say this every week. I don't know how we manage to tie things together. It's almost like we know what we're doing, but it's going to tie in really directly to uh, one of your books. And it, this, it's completely by accident. This really did happen in, in Disney World this week. So this week, indoor character meet and greets return to Walt Disney World. In a step attempting to return to pre-COVID normalcy, a few locations began offering opportunities to meet some of your favorite characters at indoor locations again. For the first time in over a year and a half, isn't that crazy, a year and a half, it's crazy to think about that. But for the first time in a year and a half, Mickey Mouse began welcoming guests in the Town Square Theater in the Magic Kingdom. At this time, masks are still required and guests are still technically separated from Mickey by a rope. There's still a little bit of that social distancing there. Uh, but still no hugs from Mickey, but you're, st you're still able to, to get in there and at least begin some of that return to what we remember from our Walt Disney World trips before the, the pandemic. 
There's unfortunately still no photo passes available either. But so besides the masks and the distance and the no photo pass, I guess this is the first steps towards getting back to normal. Mickey is going to be wearing his 50th celebration suit, that iridescent suit. So that's pretty exciting. But he's not the only one getting back into the swing of things. Also this week, still in the Magic Kingdom, over at Princess Fairytale Hall, Cinderella and Elena are going to be welcoming guests as a, as a pair. And you can choose to go see them too. Or Rapunzel and Tiana are your other option. And they began welcoming guests in indoor meet and greets again as well. The same mask and distancing requirements that you see over there with Mickey Mouse also apply to the princesses. But this is pretty exciting. It's, it's just one step kind of returning back to, you know, the things that we know and love about Walt Disney World. So uh, what do you guys think about the news? I'm, I'm excited to hear what Ron and Tony think, but considering Trisha, you're, you're kind of the character meet and greet guru with your books and stuff. What do you think about this news coming out this week that we're getting some indoor meet and greets again? We'll start with you, Trisha. I, I think it's amazing. And it's kind of like what they said in the article. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a huge step to, to getting back. Cause this, despite, again, I, I was at, I was at Disney in November, 2020. So, you know, very, not too long after they reopened. Um, and then again, in December of 2020, and then again, it just back in October, 2021 for the first. And the piece that's still missing is, is that more one-on-one -on -one character interaction. So this is, this is getting us closer, but you know, I, I'm, I'm appreciative that Disney's being responsible with with knowing that there is still a pandemic and they're you know working hard to protect us as guests, but also protect their cast members. And um, so it it definitely it it's such a step in the right direction. And those costumes are amazing. I I, I mean I would I I it's probably good I would it wasn't happening when I was there because I would have just been like okay Mickey turn that way let me take a picture of that part of your costume okay turn this way like you know and and sure he would just totally go for it but the costumes are really really cool um and so there's eight there's eight characters that are actually wearing the iridescent costumes and they're great um so you can see them in a cavalcade um that happens a couple of times a day but you don't get to get like really super close so I think uh when Mickey can finally give us hugs, that line is going to be forever. <laughs> There's going to be a virtual queue for it, right? Just like your shopping day. Queue. Yeah, it's it's going to be like Rise of the Resistance or Hug Mickey. Which one? Which one? <laughs> um, you know, Genie Plus is just going to go crazy. Uh, that that um, it'll be. It, I mean, it's 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 exciting to see that step. That's awesome. Maybe you can write a book about the return of the characters, right? <laughs> new book idea I want a percentage because I just gave that to you <laughs> uh, yeah I awesome about the process to write a book and I'm like I can't even imagine trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right Ron what do you think man I know you're a big fan of Mickey Mouse and everything are you excited that Mickey Mouse is going to be welcoming people into his his little meet and greet area there again we're can not you, able to hear you Ron yeah can you just now yeah there we go Sorry, I having some technical problems. I, I have a feeling that was the case because I tried to interact a little bit before and we didn't was, hear you. So I apologize, guys. No problem. So we'll just we'll just snip that. And then so right here, this will be Ron replying to the question. 
No, this is awesome that Mickey's going to finally get to interact with us again. Um, as an adult, our, my first trip with my family, I, I can't explain. As an adult, we, we know how this works. This is costumes and, and not the real thing, but Disney's really good. I like what Trish said earlier in you, um, in you deep defer reality and, and your imagination becomes what's real. And Disney does that very, very well. And we went in March during the pandemic and I almost wish we wouldn't have taken that trip because there was so much that couldn't be taking place at the parks and the cast members became more security driven and interaction and and I'm not saying they they were wrong I'm just saying that it was it just took a lot of magic thankfully Magic Kingdom really worked harder than the other park that we went to to keep some of that magic so we didn't leave on a totally sour note but I this to me there couldn't there's not much better news until Mickey can actually hug. And then I think Trish, you're right, is going to be, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very excited to hear that news. All right, Tony, how about you, buddy? What do you think about this, this exciting news about some indoor meet and greets coming back? Uh, same here with everything that's been said. It, it's, it's part of the joy is seeing these characters up close and in person. And, and part of the reason that well, just to watch a, a little child's face as they see them that close is, is, the, is, is part of the magic in itself. And as far as my own concern, um, seeing the characters in Galaxy's Edge closer than just waving at them that far <laughs> is going to be a big difference. So that that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. I agree. That's pretty exciting. Um, you know, I'm kind of with Trish. She said she's not a real big autograph person. Is, is wrong. Like those autograph books, and I don't have a series of uh, Disney books that I have written to get someone to autograph. That that seems like a very uh, exclusive club that can be like. Hey, Mickey, I wrote a book and you're in it, buddy. So like, that's super cool. So I'm more of a picture guy. I love taking pictures and, you know, even 47 year old Dewey still, my, my kids make fun of me so much because uh, I don't know if it was probably one or two trips ago, but you know, my kids are teenagers. They're too cool for characters, but I am not. So they didn't <laughs> want to get in line for any characters. So on my, we have a, um, what are those things? The Amazon Fire Stick. We have a Fire Stick. And one of the features that's really cool is that you can make your own screensavers with those, uh, with the Fire Stick. So there's just a bunch of pictures of us at Disney that come up on our screensaver. And every time there's this one picture that is just me and Goofy. And the, the kids, my kids laugh every time because I remember when we when I took it, um, they didn't want to wait in line. So they were standing over here and I went up and I was like, yo, Goofy, can I get a selfie? And Goofy like shook his head and everything. So I'm like getting a selfie with Goofy. And that's one of the pictures on my Fire Stick uh, screensaver. So every time that picture comes up on the on the TV, my kids are like, hey, Goofy, can we get a selfie? <laughs> and they just think it's so funny because I'm such a nerd. 
And so, you know, so I'm pretty excited that this kind of stuff is going to come back. You know, we're one step closer to being able to embarrass our children by taking selfies with a character again. That's, I think it's exciting. So uh, some good news, some happy news. I'm really, really happy that that is going to be happening. One step closer to getting our planet back to normal. I certainly hope so. Um, one thing I wanted to share, uh, I had a chance to chat with a cast member um, when I was in Magic Kingdom one day, and this is someone who has worked all over the park. Uh, he currently at that point was working at Tomorrowland Speedway, but he shared a story that right before the park closed, so it had been announced that Walt Disney World was going to close, and they did a thing, everyone was masked and everything, but they let the cast members come and say bye to Mickey, and he was oh. Mickey's friend that day. And he said the emotion, yeah. like it was so hard, um, but they let, they, they let all the cast members do it because they knew, you know, there was a certain amount of unknowing that, that was happening. And when is it going to open back up? You know, are we going to see each other again? You know, a lot of the, the people were DCP. Um, so this was it, you know, this, they might be graduating college and, you, you know, not going to, maybe, maybe wouldn't be back and doing that again. So it was, it was a really beautiful story that he shared and they, they did it in, in Town Square Theater. And just that that meant that much to the cast members. You know, it means a lot to us, but it means a lot to them too, because he really is just kind of the symbol of this place that they care so much about. I'm getting all choked up over here. Yeah, oh, me too. Like, You're telling that story. <laughs> Knock it off, Trisha. You can't make a grown man cry on his podcast. Goodness Three of gracious. Them. Oh, I, I'm like, all right, made the boys cry in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe you're not going to replace Ryan because if you're going to make us cry on the show, I, I don't know. We're going to have to rethink this. I do want to give Ron a shout out because Ron, I noticed that was a WG Magazine photo and like seriously, mm -hmm. again, props for that. That was awesome. <laughs> and uh, full disclosure, Trisha, uh, we were before you came on, you know, we again, we were trying to attempt to look like a, a real podcast. So we we met before you came on. And we were talking about, and we were just being silly and we brought up a couple of different Zoom backgrounds and stuff. And I brought up one of The Office because I love that show and everything. And um, Ron pulled that one up and, and I was like, yo, Ron, Trisha writes for WDW uh, Magazine. Nice job, dude. Keep it up. Keep it up. And he was, you know, that was completely by accident, but he just picked one of his favorite pictures and it just happened to be for WDW Magazine. So we, we we thought that was cool too i'm really super excited you noticed that's awesome <laughs> well and i couldn't from like because because obviously Dewey, you're you're the big one most of the time but ron when you were talking i was able to see it and i was like oh i recognize that logo at the bottom <laughs> that's so cool that's exciting that's oh my amazing. gosh you know what's cool about when you bring a guest on this is our first one but it's cool that she's a nerd just like us about yeah, this that's really exciting <laughs> all right so that does it for segment number two, what's happening now in Walt Disney World. So let's move on to segment number three. This is, we all know, Ron, this is your favorite segment. So we do it for you, buddy. This is just for you. Thank you. I appreciate it because it's the best. It's the best. I'm glad you enjoy it. So this is a little thing we like to call, what's your favorite? Each week, one of our hosts bring with them a question to ask the other two guys. But something exciting, we have a guest with us today. So Trisha is going to 
participate in what's your favorite today too. So I'm very excited about this. So the two hosts and our guest, Trisha, have no idea about the question that's coming up. None of us know at the time of recording, only the host bringing the question knows what's coming up. So this week, Tony has control of the what's your favorite question. So Tony, Ron and Dewey and Trisha, we are ready for the what's your favorite question. What do you have in store for us today, buddy? All right, we've got a special treat, especially since Trisha is the author of Tasting the Magic from A to Z. I thought it would make sense to tailor this question toward that. And I'd like to know, what's your favorite? In park dining or resort dining? And if you have a favorite, which of those, which, which place is it? Oh, my, am I answering first? We yes, are going please. to ladies first, guest first. We're going to lay out all the red carpet, all the good manners for you, Trisha. Okay. So this one is actually surprisingly easy for me. There are so many, but Sana at Kadani Village at Animal Kingdom Lodge, um, you will not get a more magical view than you get there. Um, the first time we ate there, we really had no idea. We knew like, oh, it's on the Savannah, but like, it was like, no, that giraffe walking by is real like straight up real. Um, zebras walk by. Uh, the food is incredible. The cast members are so passionate. A lot of them are from um, Africa. Uh, so definitely look at look at the cast members um, name badge, see where they're from, ask them questions. What's your favorite thing in the menu? And they have, to me, what is one of the single best dishes at Disney World, and that's the butter chicken with naan. Um, so naan is a, a type of um, uh, bread that's usually served with Indian food. So Sanaa has a lot of like Indian inspired flavors and the butter chicken is, it's just so good. It is, I've taken multiple people to Sanaa, like you need to try the butter chicken. Um, and they're like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so it is for, especially for foodies, like it is one of those dishes that, that people really love. And, and there's so much great uh, about Sanaa, the, the seating here is beautiful, the detail and the decorations are gorgeous, the light fixtures. I mean, it's it, it's so, so delicious. And, and it has just, it like hits on all points. The ambiance is great, Food food's amazing, cast members are great. So definitely without question, I have to go Sanaa. And so you prefer uh, resort dining? I don't prefer resort dining, I just prefer Sanaa. That one. <laughs> <laughs> and the one tip that I always tell people, Sanaa is not in Animal Kingdom Lodge. So Kadani Village is like, I think about half a mile from uh, Kadani Village. So if you get dropped off at Animal Kingdom Lodge, you're, you're going to have to walk. Um, because, or, or, well, if you, I think that you can get a bus between the two. It doesn't just go between the two, but, you know, if you're getting on a, um, like a park bus, you might be able to have it drop you at uh, Kadani Village. And I made that mistake at a work meeting. So my first time at Sanaa was for a work meeting. I was like uh, trying to impress someone that ran a, patient nonprofit and like got dropped off at Animal Kingdom Lodge and then was like, oh, hey, by the way, we have to walk for half a mile in the dark uh, to this place. But um, it's it's really great and make sure to take the time to go upstairs. There's some viewing areas in the upper parts and that's kind of in the lower level of the resort. And there's rocking chairs that sit out in the savannah and animals go all day. I think there's an impression that you know, come nightfall, the animals are all in. Um, that's not necessarily true. So the animals will also come out at night too. Very good. What about you, Ron? Well, so this is a little more difficult for me. 
um, just because we've had several um, good experiences in both. And this past March, we had the option, uh, opportunity to eat at California Grill. Had never been there. Um, it was in celebration of our anniversary. Um, and it over, we got a table that overlooked Walt Disney World and the castle. And our waiter just was incredible. Um, but then we also like to eat at Ohana's, which is an incredible experience. Also overlooks the castle and you can actually, we've actually eaten there when the fireworks are going off and they pipe in the, the, the soundtrack for the, the fireworks. But then I think about all the um, places that we've eaten on site or within the parks, um, Liberty, forget Liberty, Liberty tree, Liberty tree. And that was fun. We've eaten at crystal palace. So we, I've got do Dewey. I've got a lot of experience eating <laughs> in the resorts. Um, uh, LaSalle, Melissa's in the background throwing things out, which was incredible. We've only been there one time, but it's a very memorable um, experience in itself. Um, so with all that out there, I think it's, it's a difficult choice, but I think I'm going to go with the resorts because Ohana's and uh, California Grill just was really great experience. I will say, and we had the chance to eat at a restaurant in Animal Kingdom Oma, I think is the name of it. Not a fan. Most people love it. So don't, don't, I've tried it and, and I'm making this on a try basis. And the, the kids menu there is awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Well, Dewey's losing it over there. I just want to say, Ron, uh, actually, Boma is, is one of uh, our favorite restaurants that we go to uh, on a regular basis whenever we're down there. Because I used to stay, it, it, uh, Trish, it's been almost 10 years since I've been able to stay there. Um, but I still, I hope that Boma is still as good as it was when we used to go there. And uh, that was, it was fun to to eat and experience that resort at the same time. It's It's, it's really it's got a lot of wonderful food of all different kinds of flavors. And, and it's really one of my favorite places to be. So I'm, I'm a resort person. We, we used to love stopping our, our Disney day and then heading to one of the resorts to eat something or another, everything from the yacht club to, um, to the grand Floridian, whatever. We always loved eating at the, at the resorts, especially during the, um, the dining plan days, but uh, do we. All right. So, okay. First of all, uh, Trish, I changed my mind. You're in, Ron's out. Um, <laughs> there's no way I could be friends with a, someone that doesn't like Boma. Like this, it's over, Ron. We're breaking up, dude. We're, Don't we're, be like that. So That's Trish, what makes the world go round is our differences. Except for when you disagree about Boma. I draw the line. Walt would totally be with Ron. Walt yeah. would be with Ron. He would much prefer to eat it like I like Trisha. Something, something more American. Okay. Trisha. Trisha, you can't put, you can't come out and say Walt is right or, or Walt is agreeing with Ron. You can't say something like that. I'm never going to be able to get Ron to not bring that up in a conversation 
ever again. You're absolutely he would totally correct. disagree with you about Tiki Room, Ryan. Like, totally disagree with you. He loves the Tiki Room. So, <laughs> so look, I invite Trisha to, to take Ron's place, and then she does that and, like, says Walt and Ron are the best buddies. And now yeah. I have no, like, oh, my gosh. I'm so t I'm conflicted. I don't know what to do. But anyway, <laughs> let me try to get over this. I feel like I was betrayed. But let's get over that. And let me answer Tony's question. I'm kind of surprised. Everybody here so far has said resorts. Like, talk about the resorts. Yeah. And, and I'm going to make it unanimous. Uh, I wow. agree. Uh, and that is not to mean that eating in the, in the parks, that there's not absolutely oh, opportunities. Yeah. Um, my answer is going to be based on I, when I'm in the parks, and I always do set some time apart, you know, or set some time aside to, to have a good meal or whatever. But you, there's always the pressure of, or at least there was about, you know, my fast pass is coming up at this time. So maybe the same thing, my Genie Plus is coming up at this time. So there's always that pressure to do other things. Some of my most fun, some of the times we have the most fun is when we don't plan a park day. We're planning a day that we just want to go see a place we've never been to before or, and, and you know, that's always a, a resort. I've never stayed at um, Port Orleans. So, and, but I've always heard about the Mickey beignets and stuff like that, you know? So I remember a trip, we, we just were like, Hey, we're not doing anything today. Let's just go have a beignet over at Port Orleans. And that was super fun. We, we just explored a place I'd never been to before. And there was no pressure to watch the watch, watch the watch, no pressure to look at the watch and, and make that fast pass or anything. There was no schedule. And to me, that's some of the most magical stuff you can do is not have to worry about a schedule, not have to worry about getting the most out of your day because you spent so much on that ticket. You know, I love going and seeing those new places and trying something. I've had a beignet in new orleans i've had the real thing so having a mickey shaped beignet first of all it tastes just like the regular beignet in new orleans so that was cool um and ron to your point uh you're absolutely wrong boma is amazing absolutely amazing and tony don't worry you said it's been 10 years since you've been there we went um the summer of 2019 which was i guess my next to my last trip and we went to Boma on that trip and it just blew us away again. Every single time we go, it's amazing. Zebra domes are a gift from a gift from above. Love zebra domes. So I'm going resorts. I'm going resorts. Um, great food in the parks, but the resorts just have so much to offer that you don't always get to experience because you're always, you know, go, go, go. So that's my vote. I'd also say, I think character meals at resorts, I always kind of recommend to folks, I, I think character meals at resorts are a little bit better. The characters tend to have a little bit more time, a little bit less pressure um, than some of the ones in the parks because the turnover is so fast. Um, a friend of mine, one of the chefs I interviewed worked at Liberty Tree Tavern and he would talk about, I think they would go through like in a dinner, like 1400 guests. If you think about like cooking for 1400 people in, what, like a four or five hour time period. I mean, that is so many people wow. to turn over. And so you see that, I think, more in 
those in, in, in the parks where at the resorts, I've had so many amazing character meal experiences where the characters just really got to take more time. Um, the interactions are a little bit less, come in, take a photo, sign something, leave, you know, um, and, and it's because they, you know, trying to get to everybody. So there's a totally justified reason, but I feel like in the resorts, there's just a little bit less of that, like Tapalina Terrace with the, the breakfast a la art. I mean, the character costumes, the interactions, the stuff I've seen there, I mean, oh, like just amazing. Um, we did storybook dining, the Snow White meal over at Artist Point at Wilderness Lodge. I mean, just, it's, it's just so cool. And the food for that one is all themed too, which is really, which is awesome. I, I, I love a good theme. <laughs> Excellent. So Tony, great question on what's your favorite this week. That was fun. And it was fun having Trisha along with us for the ride. So that was awesome. And that just about does it for this episode of the WD Reflections podcast. We would first of all like to say and give a gigantic thank you to Trisha Dobb for hanging out with us on this episode and bringing to us so much of her insight and her knowledge and, and her enthusiasm. Really, that was probably the best thing was her enthusiasm. So Trisha, thank you for being here with us today. Thank so, you so much for having me. I had, I had a really fun time. And now I want to go eat. No. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> uh, no problem. <laughs> Please go and follow us on all of our social media accounts. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast, and on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on the following podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, and Overcast. And as we grow, we'll let you know where else we can be found. If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, tips for navigating the theme parks, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else you can think of. We'd love to hear from you. Trisha, would you like to share some of your locations where listeners can find you and get all the Trisha stuff that they just, are, I know they want now? Uh, well, so uh, my the primary place I'm active on social is on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is at not so evil underscore Disney stepmom. So play on my first book. Um, uh, folks can DM me through there if they wanted, if they're interested in ordering one of the books personalized, you can also find all my books on Amazon. Um, just, uh, go to Amazon and search on my name, Trisha Dobb. It's T-R-I-S-H-A. And then the last name is D-A-A-B. And, uh, you can also find, uh, the blogs that I do for WDW Magazine. If you just search on my name on the WDW Magazine website. So, uh, have some fun blogs upcoming, starting to get into some holiday themes. And, um, I do have two columns in the magazine also. So, uh, if you're a subscriber, definitely give me a shout out through the, the Facebook group and let me know that you're a WW Magazine fan. It's always fun to hear from folks. That's awesome. Thank you, Trisha. I don't know if she knows this and I don't know if she feels the same way, but she's my new best friend. So <laughs> please keep coming back, everybody. We truly appreciate you being a listener or a follower or watcher or whatever you're, wherever you're seeing us. We truly do appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon.
the WDW Reflections podcast is available every Tuesday with a video version of our Zoom call available to watch every Saturday on YouTube.